live from Cape Town. This is the voice of the Cape. 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 Talking point. Getting you talking. From me, Jamil, once more, very good evening and a warm welcome to this evening's edition of Talking Point. It's Talking Point, the program to get you talking because you matter and we care. Now, if it's a Wednesday, it's midweek and downhill to a weekend, and it seems it's going to be a very lovely weekend looming for us. There's a bit of a change this evening to the production. Normally, at this time, Tasneem Adams comes in, she's our news editor, and she hosts the program called the Editors Forum. Tasneem is on leave, well-deserved leave, so we thought we'd make a bit of a change. So this evening, we'll kick off with just reflecting on the year that's gone by. And uh, the team has looked at some, the production team has looked at some stories, you know, news-making stories that made the headlines. Um, we we'll, won't, probably won't be able to cover them all because there was such a lot. And they decided they'll take out some of the ones that they feel uh, really raised eyebrows. After that, I'll be speaking to uh, Mr. Ahmad Nazar, okay? He's the principal of Spine Road High, and I believe they've had some fantastic results as far as the matriculants are concerned. And then after that, Ashra Norton will join me, founder of the Leadership College, and uh, believing that the college is making waves in our community. We'll find out all about that. And then... Certainly there must be, you'll probably remember the name Masnuna. Remember Auntie Fatima Adams and her husband Buddha Yusuf? And it's um, an association I've had with this family for about 11 or 12 years. Uh, her daughter married a Yemeni and uh, he then had to take them. After many months he said, well, they're going on Hajj. They never ended up in Makkah, they ended up in Yemen, and that's where Masnuna has been stuck. I'm certain many of you have heard this and have heard heard Antifatima on air. Uh, We are just going to get the latest from Antifatima this evening. She'll join me roughly at about 20 minutes past 7. And then after that, we will also be focusing on Sumaya Esso, or it's Esso. Remember the brittle bone boy, Nasser, the little young seven-year-old boy? And uh, through our efforts, we managed to get them into a special needs school. This is a boy that if he falls, no matter how softly or easily he falls, bones are broken. And he spent most of his young life in hospital. We will get an update from him when his mother, Sumaya, joins us. That's roughly at about 20 minutes to 8. The Adhan for the Wakt of Maghrib will be at 4 minutes past 8. And then... Barbara Russ will join me. She phoned me on Saturday night. She's a ward counselor in the Atlantis area. And she told me the heart-rending, it's a story of an 11-year-old girl that she was joined the search party for this girl. Uh, She was sent to a relative of hers on on an errand, never returned home the afternoon, and the search party was launched, and they found her eventually brutally murdered. Barbara, a hardened woman because she works in, and she also runs a home that she personally and her family funds called the the House of Hope or the Home of Hope. I think it's the House of Hope. And she said she absolutely broke down when she saw the young body battered to brutally murdered and she cried so she'll join us because i believe the uh, culprit has been taken in she's going to give us the uh, the uh, the the latest around that apparently he's appeared in court he's been reminded but what what bothered barbara 
this was the start of the year 2015. And she says, if the year starts off like this, then certainly it's a major, major wake-up call for us. Angling tips, that is what we are going to be ending with a little later on. Ons gaan hengel praat, okay? But for now, let's have a quick look and let's see. Let me introduce my two guests and no strangers to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape. Al-Amin Kafar. Al-Amin, salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. And Yazid Kamaldin. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa Shukran for your time for being here to seasoned the journalist. And I think you mentioned uh, what we are going to be doing. We are going to be reflecting on some of the stories that hit the headlines. And you guys will, you know, give an opinion on it, analyze it. I've said, well, the most important one for me was what happened in Parliament. It was unheard of. But I think you raised a very valid point and I want to start here. Al Amin. Jij het samen die geslapen monade die ek eraan baie samen met haar gewerk. Ja, Lafad Lachie was hier is, inshallah. Amen, amen, amen. Ons het, vir ons het saam gestudeer. Ok, ons was... Ons het saam begin by CPA. Dit was destijds nog Pintek gewees. Ok. En ons was die tweede intake van journalism students in 1986. 86. Ja. Ok, so jy het saam gestudeer. Ja. Journalism. Ja, journalistiek, ja. Ah. So daar altijd top geëndig. Prachtig. <laughs> en jy sê, you mentioned it, in fact, you mentioned it earlier on. We've got nothing here, and for you, very importantly, 2014 was the year in which uh, Munadia passed on. Yeah, I was going through my blog, uh, Buta Jamil, as um, you know, I was just trying to recap some of the stories that I worked on throughout l- last year, and then I saw um, that I'd written about Muradia's um, passing away for the Weekend August newspaper when I was still freelancing for that newspaper. Um, I now work there full-time um, at the Weekend August, and um, I remember um, I was in Europe at the time, and um, I got news I think it was from my mother, and she told me that Munadi had passed away. Um, I was, yeah, on some work thing in Europe, and then I managed to write the obituary for the weekend, August, and it was published in February 2014. She passed away February 1st, 2014. Date never to be forgotten. Mm. Certainly a woman that left, left, she left the mark behind. (laughs) Alhamdulillah, she definitely did. She made waves in in, in local broadcasting Mm. and in the local Muslim community, alhamdulillah. Yeah, and she got a lot of accolades. And she could have gone, you know, she could have really climbed the ladder to the very top. She decided community radio station and the voice of the Cape is for her. Mm-hmm. I remember working with her. We, we had some humorous times, the road shows we did to PE. We had a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. But she was a stern mm-hmm. taskmaster master as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I can tell you certainly. But you and you guys have more to tell mm-hmm. them. Well, I mean, she, she made a mark in mainstream media as well. Yes. No, I mean, she worked at the SABC at one stage. Mm. At a time when basically, you know, she was a pioneer as far as uh, pioneers. Aangaande dit kom radio uit sy broadcast, you know. Mm. Uh, en dan was sy head van het lang ons tijdje corporate communications by Samlam gewees ook. So, in termen van, you know. Yes. yes. I, I, I would like to comment on that, actually, yeah? because um, I had numerous conversations with Munadi about this, you know, mm. about corporate, mainstream versus community. And I think for her, she had reached the top of her game by being at Voice of the Cape because she had you know, delved into corporate communications mm. and she had worked in mainstream and she felt that working with community for her was the ultimate because she could contribute more of herself wholly, you know, and not just be sort of there doing a job or mm. pushing someone else's agenda, but working for her community. Mm. 
Sandland, Zuid-Afrikaanse, ek het nou onlangs opina, maar is, is een van die grootste maatschappijen. Ja, dit is die insurance company, een van die grootste in die land. Ja. Mm. Ze gaan bel worden, jy sien die groot gebouwe mm. daar so. En ek het gehoor, ek het, ek het nou nie precies geweet die positie wat ze bekleed daar nie. Mm. So sy was aansiendike mens, ja, een influential person, wow. En sy kan redelijk ver gekom het as en sy kan nie Mm. en hy richting sy positie behoud het verstaan, maar sy het verkieslikbaar gemeenskapsradio. Mm. Ek onthou even, you know, even around the issue with Gads uh, en die accreditation en saal, she was in the forefront, you know, knew, knew the industry inside out and all the role players in it, you wanted to know something, and I once saw a photograph of her when she was on Gads, sitting in this dusty street, I don't know where it was, Medina or Makkah, in die middel van die pad sit sy met haar little, whatever laptop, and she's bezig daar, so, <laughs> that was Munadia. I also remember being in Delft one day, and it was raining, and I think Ibrahim Rasul was coming there, some years ago, when the ANC still had the Western Cape, she, even with him, she had a very good relationship, you know, very, very good, um, and um, they all went into the mosque, and Munadia came in, you know, and, and uh, she grabbed the stuff, cameras and things, and she ran in there. Shame, and she still tripped over over one of the ropes of the canopies mm-hmm. because it was raining that morning. And she fell in the wet sand. She got up and she dusted herself off. And she kicked her mate to say, I'm not lucky. But she was a go-getter. Eh? Wow, what a woman. Yeah. And, and her influence and whatever she had with it, it rubbed off on others around her. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think we, we, we could see that, you know, for um, at Voice of the Cape, for example, I mean, right now, if you look at the newsroom, the and it's something maybe a bit of a legacy that has stayed behind the empowerment of Muslim women as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. if you look at the news editor at Voice of the Cape, Dustin mm-hmm. Adams is a woman. We have a journalist, Raisa Isaacs. We have other female Muslim females in management positions or positions where they manage other staff at the radio station. So Alhamdulillah Munaida's legacy definitely no, has rubbed off on the station as well. No, absolutely. And mm. and uh, the wide range of contacts she had, she was very well known and she knew, wow, she knew people in high positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always fun about that. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I used to know when she's at her busiest and I used to go into the news editor's room and I, I had something to tell her. And she would look up and she says, JW, 30 seconds. <laughs> then I knew she was busy with something very important. And uh, But, uh, you know, she could speak to the most educated person and even speak to the ordinary man. Wow. It was so sad for me seeing her battle up the stairs. And she was a fighter to the very, very end. I mean, you let Sam studeer and you know, it's a good thing to Ja, een van ons favorite, ek en was drie van ons wat Muslims in die klas was, ek en Shoket Hamdulai. Oh yes. Uh. En Monadia, en een van ons favorite dinge was gewees, uh, dit was nog, ons uh, um, campus was deel gewees, satelliet campus gewees, by Andrach in, in, in Belville. Dit so was die deel gewees van die main campus. Hmm. En ons het altijd die punt gemaakt om van um, Andrach af, van die midda te gaan. Uh, Monadia was lief vir, vir, vir fast food somtijds gewees, you know. En een van haar favorite was gewees, een hot dog roll gewees. <laughs> <laughs> maar soos ek gesê het, sy was, sy was, in, sy was die uitstaande student gewees, sy was always got the highest marks. And uh, uh, you know, you had to go for in-service training and I think she could, 
she could basically she could pick the cream of the crop, you know, as far as getting an in-service uh, training position is concerned. I think she managed to get um, uh, offers from at least three institutions, and it was difficult. Then you only had an option of basically radio, which was very limited, and then obviously newspapers. Mm. Just as we, before we take the break, uh, yes, fast foods. I remember coming, we were in the Strand and on our way home, we stopped at, I won't mention the name, but they're very fam- famous for their fried chicken. And as I walked in, I saw the back of somebody and I knew who it was. And she said to me, it was a late Sunday afternoon. Eh? And then I said, mm? and she said to me, yeah, I said, well, I was no pat I was going to eat too. She said, well, I was going to eat I mean, that was her. Um, passion for this, that she worked at home. I, be- I believe <laughs> she, she had an office at home and mm. she did a lot of work from there. Let's play the bills back with you after this. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Welcome back once more to this evening's edition of Talking Point. As I said, a little bit of uh, difference. I've got two guests with me, Al Amin uh, Kafar and then Yazid Kamaldin. Yazid, I want to kick off with you. We've got a list of things uh, that was earmarked that could be discussed. We might not be able to go through it all, but what are you looking at there? You know, but as I mean, last week I was talking to Zahra on um, this radio station about some of the big stories in 2014. And of course, we mentioned Nkandla, you know, that oh, yes. dominated headlines for <laughs> Mokola. Listen, all I mean, Miskin can say for me. What mean Nkandla? I'm trying to find it. must mean something. But isn't it the name of the location or No, 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 not location. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. The settlement. Where oh, our president okay. resides, yeah. Yeah, that's the name of it. Yeah. But, so, but Jamil, yeah. what I was saying is, you know, one could mention and regurgitate all these things again yeah. and be like, yeah, Nkandla was big, Shreen Divani court case was big, Oscar Pistorius was, was big, big. etc. Ah. But um, some of the news events that I think sort of deserve some of our attention, just because, you know, in the way we analyze the news and we try and project forward, you know, trying to also, I suppose, make sense of things as a Muslim community, um, so some of the stories that stand out for me, which are very local, and if I can just mention three of it, um, you know, firstly, very local would be in March when UWC, the University of the Western Cape, got its new um, vice chancellor, which is um, Professor Tyrone Pretorius. Oh, I remember gosh. writing about that for mm. um, the Cape Times newspaper. You know, we just wanted to understand who's this leader. And how is it going to change things? Because UWC went through a whole oh. sort of, there was a whole tit for tat around leadership of UWC and so on. And then I think looking at Africa, the biggest story out of Africa for me over um, the last 12 months, for me, as you know, for me, one of the big stories or the biggest was Boko Haram. I mean, uh, they even had global international political leaders saying, release the girls, bring mm. back, you know, the girls and so on. Um, and of course, the Muslim community had to answer a lot of questions once again, you know, why are Muslims doing this? Is this what you stand for? Is this what you believe in? Just being lumped sort of all under the same banner, terrorist or, you know. Um, and then on a more global scale for me, a big story personally as well was the Soccer World Cup in, in Brazil in June. And that's because I'd also made a film about the World Cup, a documentary film about the protests in Brazil. Um, and then I showed that film just the head of the World Cup. So those for me were some of the highlights, the mm. news highlights. Beautiful. I mean, 
Well, I mean, if you were to look at internationally, I think, you know, the um, issue, Gaza issue would probably be. Oh, yes. That would be my my biggest story, Mm. probably, you know, because even now today, um, Ban Ki-moon announced that um, the Palestinians would be able to join the ICC Mm. in April this year. So that would open the way for possible prosecution, uh, war crimes for the for wow. Israelis, as well as um, law cases, you know, um, you know, claiming c- compensation mm. for some of the damages that was incurred by the uh, Israeli army. I know, I mean, if you look at Gaza. So, I mean, it, it's, it's still having an effect now, mm. you know, uh, how many, like six months after it actually happened. And um, one of the things which is becoming a major headache for the, for the, especially for the Israeli army is about the prosecution of soldiers, you know, yeah. because that is definitely on the card. And they're doing a lot of damage control and trying to sort of like um, soothe fears, you know, among soldiers that they would be prosecuted. But that is definitely for me one of the, one of the, for me, that was one of the highlights, you know, global stories as yeah, far I mean, as we were glued to our television sets mm. uh, on, on what happened there. And for me, still, still mm. bugs me. That the mm. so-called peace-loving free world could have stood by, and we saw the. Uh, I, I really don't want to go down the international route, but certainly mm. these are issues we can't um, put aside. Talking about mm. Palestine, I was following the United Nations and the resolution that the Palestinians put forward, and how it was shot down. Mm. But it says they were tricked yeah, into putting that. that. that yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were tricked into because. Um, in my understanding, it was they were tricked to. Uh, there was an assumption that the John Kerry might have said to them, "Go for this," mm-hmm. knowing that it was going to be shot down. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. But what happened was also is that, especially if you look at media-wise, is that the advent of social media basically turned um, turned a lot of things upside down. Mm. And uh, when it came to the propaganda war, I think the Israelis also. I mean, they might have they might have won in the air, you know. Mm. Uh, they had superior air power, but when oh, it came yes. to propaganda, mm. the whole world basically started, or at least large portions of the world started turning against Israel. And they managed to see a different different side of it, because previously you had a couple of networks controlling basically what needs to be broadcast or what, what doesn't broadcast. But now no. you have social media. You basically have a victim of a bombing attack standing there with a camera, mm. and she can tell the world, you know, and what was her name? There was actually a blogger that I used to follow. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, but I mean, she gave you a first-hand experience of about basically what happened. So uh, for me, that is also another turning point in this whole thing is that um, the monopoly that that mainstream media used to have on 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 news or being gatekeepers or setting an agenda that also turned you know was this was this war yeah mm-hmm. but Jamil had mentioned that you know we shouldn't or but Jamil wasn't too keen on, on sort of going uh, onto into international the international issues of the, the Palestinian Israeli affair no, go, go but we it. had we had a lot of local mm. Local events. Mm. I mean, the BDS, mm. the boycott oh, movement. Yes. You know, I remember we wrote about that extensively. Yeah. Um, you know, the boycott against a particular mm. chain store. Um, we've also had, of course, thousands of people literally taking to the streets. It was in August, mm. I think it was, and then also, of course, in Ramadan, mm. there were um, biggest march in South Africa. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, so, this and yeah. and and we saw it worldwide. Mm. So. In, ev- in almost every country in the world, there were people protesting against what Israel was doing mm. against Palestinians in Gaza. Yeah, mm. well, I mean that is, well, um, I mean worldwide, you know, that mm. would be the story. But lo- but locally, especially from a national perspective, I think 
As uh, South Africans, we, we, we can sit back and um, be quite proud about the fact that we had our first democratic national elections, you know, um, in 2014. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, come to think of it, yes. Uh, <laughs> 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 I voted. I voted in, <laughs> I voted in Johannesburg, oh, in Johannesburg, where I used to live. Yeah. I remember okay. the area that I went into. Um, mm. It was funny. Uh, there was a polling booth opposite me. I school always went there. And then when I saw, when I used the SMS line, where must I go to? They sent me to another, another venue, a primary school, that two streets away from me. And I thought, okay. Um, and, and I remember sitting in Belleville at the nerve center of the IEC. I enjoyed it then. Wow, I've never been to one of those. I mean, no, no, it must be some kind of experience. Yeah, yeah no, you goes see. on for hours. No. Yeah. <laughs> All the political parties there. What was the guy's name? Um, IEC head, um, the Reverend uh, Courtney, Courtney Sampson. I, I don't know what it was, but he was annoyed later in the day. Was it the second day? And he, he he had to brief the uh, all the you know he had to brief us on something mm. why I, I can't remember what it was and I saw him at the podium and in the mic I had said bob 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 and he walked off again I thought no he's for good this is no he's a very nice guy uh, walking away like that he's uh-huh. probably just so tired as well. Mm. So, but again, we, we got accolades, uh, you know, I think you we had know. international monitors. Yeah. yeah, no, and what I liked about it is that, you know, in spite of you had, well, the results basically showed a couple of dominant parties, mm. but, but um, we still have a multi-party, um, a vibrant multi-party party democracy, you know, yeah, you absolutely. had very... Um, a multitude of, 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 of parties, even new parties, like, mm. for example, you mentioned, you would talk about Ahang, you know. Yes. Uh, all fanfare, you know, in mid-2014, you know, and now, uh, was it 2014? Uh, no, earlier uh, that, uh, earlier, in, in yes. 2013, mm. announcing that, you know, she might consider, what's her name, Rampele, that she might consider starting this party, and um, went around the country in the width and breadth, you know, uh, trying to gather support and find, you know, what people think about it, and then afterwards establishing this party. And I must admit, if you look at the manifesto of it, it was not a bad one. It was mm. a bit tratsatrak, you know, yeah. sort of like a combination combination of the ANC uh, chartist approach, you know, and there was a bit of black consciousness, and yeah. there was sort of like a liberal thought about it as well. And um, I thought, okay, fine, you know, another party to the, to another mm. political party to the party is not mm. bad. Mm. And what was it in 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 in, fe- in early February 2014? It was just about this merger with the DA, <laughs> which um, I had. Uh, maybe you know him. Probably worked with him, Tabula Shilo. He used to be um, one of the editors at the Star. And I mean, uh, I worked with him while I was at the Star. And I thought, like, okay, fine, Tabula is joining a hang, but uh, I don't know how he's going to take um, um, the DA and the and the Ahang merging. <laughs> and lo and behold, the day afterwards, I mean, there was a press conference where he was in, embroiled in some kind of controversy yes. where he denied it. And then afterwards he was fired as as communications manager. So, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of, um, how can I put it, uh, drama, you know, mm. build up. And uh, it was it was not a pleasant, a pleasant uh, uh, campaigning experience. It was a lot of dirt slinging and oh, mudslinging. Yes. And it was. It was ugly. It was really mm. ugly. And on top of all the new kids on the block, mm. mm-hmm. Malema, he was quite resilient. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, fortunately for us, um, a lot of that ugliness, you know, around Ahang was quite short-lived, frankly, in, in terms of 
the lifespan of, of a political party because there was the May 7th election and by June, by Youth Day, when I went to one of the townships to, to report on Ahang's youth activities, I kid you not, there was the party leader and there was like nobody at that event. So that was just a signal that this party had its time, briefly, there was a lot of noise around it. Sure, it still, you know, has political representation in Parliament, but mm. the leaders... Two, two MPs, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> MPs. But, I mean, they had all these legal battles, mm. trying to unseat her, and so on, you know. I mean, it was just it was just a really um, unfortunate series of events for a, a, a party leader who had sort of made her mark in another field. Mm. But, unfortunately, politics was not... For going to be yeah, the no. platform where she yeah, would you did write about it. Yeah, you did write about it. What was it? Was she going to join the DA or was or was she merging? It was going to be a. It was a, 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 a It was a kiss of death ah. for the, for Ahang at least. Yeah. They were going to partner, and she was going to have sort of um, a, a a role in the party and she was going to be sort of like the n- one of the national faces. Unfortunately, it just mm-hmm. didn't work out. She was going to be the, uh, the presidential DA's candidate. Presidential yeah. candidate, candidate yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the issue was, I think, you know, the DA wanted her to join mm. and become a DA member. And, and then uh, within the same week, it was over. It was over. Yeah, I remember um, on a news bulletin on national TV, there were some of us senior members and they were at sixes and sevens. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah. I, was a, I was a leader. I don't know. Jump ship, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot of stink around the. Um, I know the home in Camps Bay and something about fifty-one million rand. I don't know. There was there was a money issue mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, basically, the party had done fundraising, and the two MPs had taken um, her to a pol- the party leader to a. Um, Basically, like charges of, um, you know, they wanted it investigated. Where was the money that was raised? But with the Jamel, I think we should focus also a little bit on that other exciting political yep. party. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, left the left a vacuum for them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you the know red berets. I when they when what happened in Parliament, uh, as I said. Uh, well, I've seen some some worse things happen in Parliament. There was a stabbing. Wood didn't die there, but he was stabbed in Parliament. Did write about that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but are you saying the the they are lightweights compared yeah. to what happened in the apartheid days in Parliament? <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, the new kids on the block, youngers, um, the EFF, all of a sudden Parliament erupted, and. They were more vocal than what the opposition was, the official opposition. These guys were, you know, reaping the limelight within all media houses, were running after them. They really caused a stir. Well, Julius Malema had been an, an established personality on the local um, political landscape anyway. So anything that he was going to do was going to be monitored, whether good or bad, mm. whether it's going to be in court or whether it's going to be accused of corruption or whether it's going to start a new political party. He's mm. a newsmaker, fortunately or unfortunately. And um, he commands interest and he commands attention. So <laughs> Let me say something here quickly. To a slagspreek award. Pay back the money. Oh. Die burger het gister gehad, wat kool hulle, die cartoon. En daar kijk Zuma nou in die, in die jaar wat voor hulle, wat hou sy horoscoop, en daar kom een antwoord vir hom, pay back the money. Uh-huh. <laughs> maar in die ernstige noot, I mean, wat is het, a riot police that was eventually called in? Mm-hmm. They knew they were grabbing the headlines, die, die dinges. And they, they, the other 
political parties were absolutely silenced. Um, some of them probably walked away, but uh, there was these guys, and they were, you know, and international media covered it as well. Yeah, look what happened in Parliament. Yeah, the economic freedom fighters are not there, I think, to um, to just sit by and, and sort of quietly check the boxes of mm-hmm. how the meeting should go. They are there to agitate. They are in Parliament to agitate. Yeah, they are no. not there to be the little sort of middle-aged, near-retirement politician mm. just waiting for, you know. But they do it cleverly. I mean, look, they, the issue of parliamentary procedure, mm. you know, they were even clever to point it out that um, Malema pointed it out that why He's did you stupid why guy. did you bring in the police? Because uh. I mean, in terms of the whole separation of power, the the executive's bodies should not be part of parliament. Mm. You know, when it comes to maintaining law and order in parliament, you should basically that should be the duty of the sergeant of arms, which they will be able to point out. You know, mm. certain parliamentary procedures, and um, I think they do their homework quite extensively. Oh, yes. Here. Um, and then they, they, they decide that they're going to go on this point and they're going to make an issue about it and they're going to harp on it. Mm. Um, the question of, you know, do you, is, it, is it polite or is it procedure to interrupt the president when he speaks? Mm. It was always sort of like an uns, un, unspoken rule that you should never interrupt the president, but nobody could actually show anything on, on, on a set of rules or laws or whatever, procedures to say that you cannot interrupt or interject the president. So, yeah, I mean, they do it quite cleverly. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we've got to go for a break there. I can tell you, I am really enjoying this. I'll, I mean, Kafar with me and Yazid Kamaldin back with you after this. Is the voice of the K. 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 Well, Talking Point continues, and Al-Amin Kafar and Yazid Kamaldin still here with us, just focusing on some of the stories that uh, hit the headlines over the past year. There's so many, but we've just picked a few. Uh, Yazid, uh, what about ESCOM? <laughs> what about ESCOM? <laughs> Thank God we can have this broadcast. Hello, <laughs> Teddy. Um, um, I don't know, it's been, you know, and, and the big worry now again is, even one or two generators packed up again? Because all of a sudden, uh, I was listening to what's the spokesperson this morning while I was driving, uh, saying, well, at the moment, but the system is very tight. Oh, it's yeah. in a, I, yeah. was, I felt very, I felt very, very sorry for the newly appointed Minister of Public Inter- Enterprises, mm. Lynn Brown, because mm. she's a local politician, mm. she's a Western Cape politician, mm. and of course, over the years, one has interviewed her, dealt with her, or so on, and and there I am, like thinking, yeah, a shame. Yeah. What have you gotten in. into now? It's just like, you know, like when bad things happen to like kind of good politicians, <laughs> you just think like, ah, shame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you're getting paid to do the uh, job, so sink or you swim, know. Sink or swim. Yep. Uh, but but uh, you know, it, 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 there's a concern, and then others are saying, no, it's not really. We're not the only country that goes through load shedding. I haven't done research on that. I asked somebody once, and he says, no, we're not the exception. There are countries, even developed countries. Mm. Canada had recently. Load shedding. Yeah. And if you read the economic, you know, uh, the Financial Times, they have this um, 
uh, um, addition which they bring out towards the end of the year, beginning of the year, you know, predicting what kind of trends you're going to find globally. And they predict that uh, England might have towards the end of this 2015. Wow. Yeah. But the bigger, the bigger story about the public enterprises, I mean, for example, the postal service strikes, mm. we've had um as an example as well and, and one or two sort of like other you know sectors where, where we've seen um, dare i bring this up corruption you oh, know yes. unfortunately mm. you've got these malfunctioning mm. public you know services which should be delivered and but then at the same time if you just sort of like look at the annual reports if you just dig a bit deeper mm. and you look at how much money they waste you know, and how many of Eskom, Eskom had, a, had a profit of seven billion. Eh? Wow! And Eskom is it's a comp, it's a combination of things. You mm. know, you had this uh, one unit that's supposed to go online or at least be part of the national grid towards the end of this year. Is that the one they're running late with? Or yes, something yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. Oh. So it's supposed to. Yeah, and uh, there it's a case of well, I mean, you had like two companies, Hitachi mm. and Alstom. It's a I think they call it. Uh, instrumentation and something you know mm. which is the problem because it's 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 a technical thing and again i mean they've been fine for that but iscom has been sort of like hounded by first of all um i think well indication of government it's it's a think probably poor or uh, uh, not competent project managers okay. because that whole madupi and what's the other one called um kusile mm. they're running basically three to four years behind, behind schedule, schedule yeah yeah, yeah. And it's a case of poor project management, and it's also a case of there was an, a protracted strike of close to about nine months mm. at Madupi. Wow. So that is one reason why it is running late here. I mm. mean, but uh, uh, it, it's I think it's a case of government um, incompetence when it comes to ESCOM. Mm. Yeah. And I remember not too long ago, Brian Dahmer's left, but the package he left mm. with, wow. Yeah, it was heavy, and uh, I think the DA they really questioned it. Yeah, they and, did. And they yeah. said, "Well, you know, these were the agreements we went into with the man, and boom, boom, boom." I don't think millions. Of yeah, and it happens with so many public officials. I mean, SABC as a case in point. Mm. You know, so many golden handshakes happening mm. um, in 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 the public. Sector. You know, the one that's very disappointing for me has always been one of our systems that function very thoroughly. When um, Pravin Gordon was there, mm. and that's the revenue service. Mm. Yes, yeah. what they're going through at the moment. Yeah. It's a sad case, yeah. yeah. And uh, and for me, uh, the most damaging thing about things like SARS or ESCOM, for that matter, is is like it's like for many people, it's an indictment on black people in this country. Mm. You understand? Look, this is how they run the country. Yeah, uh, this is what they this is what they do to the country. And I mean, I've, I know competent black professional people, you know, but again, I think it's a case of it's government cronyism here, you know, that is the reason why, why we're in such a mess often, you know, mm. and uh, those I think who are competent enough to do it, mm. they are just being ignored, overlooked, or I mean, that's yeah. sweet. I yeah. agree with very, very competent uh, black professionals. In but it's unfortunate fields. that we even have to sort of qualify the, the thing the whole argument by saying yeah but there are mm. some mm. very professional black people mm. at the end of the day that race argument mm. should just be sort of you know chucked out the window mm. and it shouldn't be about it's an incompetent black government it's mm. just an incompetent government mm. official you yeah, know no, I mean if, if one wants to talk about race quite frankly we had a white government and they basically killed and murdered people mm -hmm. so you know don't talk about a black government is failing mm -hmm.
killed and murdered people, stole the money, what was it, the information scandal, Essel Rudy, you know, I'm like, oh, and I just think this race uh, argument of like it's a black government, and it's a very valid point that you make because that's how people think. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, Mm. we still think in terms of black and white in this country. There's even like yesterday I was reading in the Times Live, you know, that even in far as beaches are concerned, we still tend to sort of like go according to that old apartheid style, you know, black people stick to this beach, colored people stick to this beach, Mm. whitey stick to this beach, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah, race. (laughs) You know, racism has definitely also been reported regularly in the media mm. in, in, in you know in, in um in our local media and especially in the context of like oh Mandela has been dead for a year mm. and how is the country doing now when it comes to racial transformation. Has mm. it I just need to take our last ad break before we wrap up this slot. So dear listeners back with you after this. Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. 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 Welcome back once more to Talking Point. We're still focusing on some of the stories uh, that hit the headlines over the past year. We've spoken about ESCOM, and ESCOM has now become a swear word. <laughs> We've spoken what happened in Parliament there with the EFF. And alles uitgesit, eight Parliament eight. What was the other thing I wanted more, Robert? Is that for me was something hmm. new. We might have had one in the past year, a couple of years ago, one, or t- but all of a sudden it was a pattern and it was all over the peninsula. And I think I, I, I was reading over the weekend, somewhere in the deep southern, then was another business house was same thing. Yeah. What shocked us in the, you know, in our newsroom was just firstly the, 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 the numbers, like every week. I mean, there was one week where they like successively like, Every day, almost for the whole week, there were more robberies. Mm-hmm. This is now in December. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of makes sense that people would rob a mall. I mean, I know it sounds bad to say that, but yeah, a mall has money. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. There's things to take from the mall. And by default, what we couldn't understand was why couldn't the cops do something about mm-hmm. it? Get a handle on it. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. so weird for us because if you have intelligence or if you have a way of fighting crime, Surely by the 10th mall robbery or the 6th mall robbery, there should have been at least an arrest or something. Mm. Especially if there's syndicates involved, you know, mm. then your intelligence should be able to pick it up. Yeah. But I mean, I guess as a criminal, you have to be one step ahead as well. Absolutely. You know, so uh, yeah. you probably got to think of innovative ways of, uh, mm. because look, I mean, it's getting more and more difficult to do uh, cash in transit robberies, you know. Um, so you got to look at something else, and they and they're quite smart. I mean, they they go for certain things, and you know they go for what do you call it? These um, high tech stuff. Yeah, high tech stuff. Yeah, technology, yeah, yeah, yeah. jewelry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I spoke to a gentleman of uh, what's it, Century City, Muslim guy, whose business was robbed, and he told me, you know, he's just he, he's just very happy. Staff was around, but. Uh, he had a lot of second thoughts on running the business there, and then the, the mall owners were at, you know, they were at their wits' end. Who stopped was it? And what's it was in play? Yeah. So we say, I have metal detectors, mm. no firearms. Then you have what do you call the guys, uh, the gun owners' association, mm. saying, well, if you 
prevent me from wearing my legal gun, then I'm not shopping there. <laughs> that, was a, that was a hele ding geweest. Yeah, and yet the robberies went on and mm, on. Yeah. Uh, I think they had one or two successes, but after that, again, about a week ago, there was mm. another robbery like that. Yeah, yeah. But the Jamil, I think on a lighter note, if we could just maybe um, look into what else has been, you know, making news and so on. And um, I was just thinking that people were still taking selfies in 2014. <laughs> that was still, I don't know, is that funny? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was just thinking about Did that. Now delayed <laughs> like that so I was like, okay. There cool. were some really uh, incidents in 2014 about some fatal selfies. There was just yeah, so much yeah. news, you know, like uh, living online, <laughs> like. <laughs> getting all most of my information on the internet because that's just where information is. You know, I've got a few minutes so left of Marvel yeah, yeah, in go, here. Go, 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 yeah. um, I didn't make the headlines, you know, once or twice a year. And that was what was happening on the Cape Flats, the killing. Uh, on a daily basis, people have become numb. Mm. They don't know what to do. There seems to be no end to it. I was saying to J.P. Smith the other evening, we don't only sell drugs now. No, no, no. We've got factories here now manufacturing mm. the drugs. And it's become a major concern, but it, that's all that happens. It's a, there's, there's no we should, we should guard against what's happening, for example, in Mexico, you mm. know, where you find that um, drug lords basically become a law in a certain region. Yes. And I mean, if you look at it, it's happening on the flats as well. Uh, mm. I, I don't think the, uh, the government or authorities or whatever taking, they are taking a, it as serious as it should be taken, yeah. seriously. Yeah. And apart from, from that, that's to feed the drug habit. Mm. I mean, I go, when I come to the studio, I travel Modedam Road, and you see there in the field, if you come over Valhalla Drive, no? I'm coming to the studio, Valhalla Drive, then you get Netrecht on your right. On the top of that bridge, it goes over the railway line, not too far ahead, another bridge, and I'm on to the end too. There's forever black smoke. Heavy black smoke coming out underneath the railway tunnel. Guys burning copper wire and things. And you can see it all over the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, there's no stopping it. Guys, wow, that was a, mas- a massive shift from like my lighter news to like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a selfie now. <laughs> take a selfie. I'm gonna, I hope the sound comes on the radio. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did it. Kafar and Yazid Kamal Kamaldin, it was a great pleasure having you here. I thoroughly enjoyed this now, although we just, you know, touched the tip of the iceberg on what happened over the past year. Uh, To both you guys, everything of the very best for the Gregorian New Year. And thank you once more for being here. Shukran, we'll be back anytime. I said to you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.